Hello, and welcome to episode 122 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is Derek, I love Dragon Quest, Teamsbergen. That's true. That is me. I'm like the polar opposite of uh, Steph, our social media gal, because she does not like Dragon Quest at all. I know. Uh, although I, know. I think I think everyone here on this podcast likes Dragon Quest, right? And it's not necessarily... So, so you say Dragon Quest is my middle name, and it's a series that I've always liked, but God, man, going from Dragon Quest Seven to Dragon Quest Eight is night and day. Yep, we're going to talk about that, because yep. Dragon Quest Eight is in our lives, and it has fulfilled all of us. Yep. Then we also have Caitlin Yakuza Star Argyros. That sounds like um, an idol dancing That's what game. I was going to say! Oh, God. Which is you, basically in Yakuza already. Yeah, you can... There's, there's a disco. You can dance this. I saw that, and I'm really excited. I, I was going to do uh, Naniste Kure, Caitlin. <laughs> but I thought, like, against it. I didn't want to... I didn't want to bring up Neo again, because they released another demo, and I still hate that game. I still, really? I, 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 am, I could go through a list of problems with it. Like, every time I'm trying to attack while, like... The whole new area that they released in that demo is very hilly. And every time I try to attack somebody and I'm on top of the hill and they're just a little bit below me, I just whiff over their head over and over again. And I did that for like five minutes. I looked at Jackie. Jackie like started putting in the earphones because she knew it was coming. And I was like, oh I'm actually just going to turn <laughs> this off. And I just I turned it, it off. And t- I, oh. I just... I, I, I thought she meant that she put in the earphones because you were going to go on a, you know. Yes. No, she thought yeah, I yeah. was, but then I just <laughs> turned it off. I did. I just don't. I. I still think they've made some massive improvements to that game. The camera's a little bit better. The stamina system's better. But I just, I still just think it's a pile of crap. Like I, I just still think it doesn't control as well as it should. And I don't know, man. Some people are really going to like that game, but when a when the director of your game just says we made this game purposefully hard, I'm like, nope. No, was like, this, was this the demo that was only available for a limited time? And now, yeah, this was the forty-eight-hour demo from last week. Who this does is that? A, this is their third demo, and it just I missed it, right? It's, it's and it was gone. called a yeah, demo, right? It wasn't called like a beta or something. They even called it like the last chance demo. Yeah, the final trial, the final countdown, whatever. I don't last know. The final countdown. Some people are really gonna like that game, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I think it's missing some of the fundamentals of a certain much better game series that we will not talk about today. Okay. Okay, so moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, we have not talked about the Switch, guys. We have not talked about the Switch. Yeah, somehow. I guess, oh, sorry, was that after sorry. our last recording? or uh, It was after the last recording, and we were going to record last week, and then I got pulled into job stuff on a Friday night, right. so that was like, well, that can't happen tonight. Uh, so let's talk about the Nintendo Switch. I, We were talking a little bit in the pre-show. I am so frustrated with the negativity on this thing. Like that. Now, granted, there are some things that I'm concerned about. I think the controllers are a little ridiculously priced. Um, I like the idea of old Super Nintendo games and Nintendo games coming to the Switch and being part of their download service for free with their whole subscription model, which we still need to learn about. I think it kind of sucks that they're taking them away, but then again, how long am I going to play the original Excitebike? There's a a lot of things that are like, okay, I'm not 100% sold on this, but I feel like people are attacking this thing. Let's go through some of the things that they announced, okay? The new Mario looks amazing. Like, it, it looks like the Sonic the Hedgehog game from 2006, except good. Except good. <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, it has a talking hat. I'm on board. You are getting a Zelda game, which, I am sorry, I teared up like a child when they showed that Zelda trailer. That was like, a good trailer. I, it was really good. This is the, the music. Um, this is the Zelda game I want. 
this is the Zelda game that I have wanted Not to mention, a we, long time. We said so, uh, I remember right at E3, when we were sitting there watching that trailer, and you were sitting on that beanbag wrap, and you turned to me, and you were like, dude, that title... It's like the best title I've ever heard. It's like the best title. <laughs> Breath of the Wild is amazing. And then it's there was so voice. There was voice acting, which is what I've wanted to see. There was like actual emotion between Zelda and Link, which they hinted at a little bit in Skyward Sword, and now they're going to develop it. Mm-hmm. I am totally on board with that game. That is a freaking launch title. They announced a new Shin Megami Tensei, and my face melted. Like as soon yeah, as I saw the I Atlas screamed. logo. I was screaming, like, and then everyone's like, well, who's this character? I'm like, that's Odin, dude. If you had played yeah, Apocalypse, you know that. Like, And then my face really melted. They announced a new effing Xenoblade game. Yep. A 2, it, even. Yeah, it's Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Not So it's like, it kind of makes you wonder where X falls in terms I, of their, I, their priorities. So like, I... Is that a whoops? I'm not trying to throw X under the bus because I haven't played X, and if they did a port to the Switch, I would buy it in a heartbeat. I really yeah, would. Yeah, me too. I would. Do I, it. I would. And Tokyo Mirage Sessions, do it. Yes. No, I, I would buy those in a heartbeat, and they should do that. That The Wii U has some great titles. But it kind of feels like X was almost like a trial run in a way. Like, it kind of – I'm not trying to read too much into it, but by going to 2 – by going for a heavy anime style, it looks much more like Xenoblade 1. He has yeah. the freaking Monado, like the Monado. Or something, like he, yeah. He has it. Like, this, uh, maybe X was them trying to make kind of a multiplayer y thing, or they were just kind of screwing around with the engine and seeing what they could do. You know, maybe there's going to be an X2 that's multiplayer focused, like a Monster Hunter game. I don't know. Yeah, but this it makes you wonder if this Ooh. is like a branch for them. They've, they've decided to diverge into like the one, the traditional, whatever you want to call it, the classic Xenoblade Chronicles, and then if X will be kind of its own thing going forward, or if that was the only time it's going to happen. I kind of feel, I, I, I know I said at the top of the show, that I was not going to do this, but I'm going to do this. It kind of feels like when they announced Bloodborne and then Dark Souls 3. And oh, yeah. Kind of, yeah, a, a little bit like that. And I'm hoping that, you know, the one can feed into the other a little bit because I, what turned me off from X was the not having characters. You know, like, I want rhyme time. I want that yeah. kind of connection with characters. So I am totally on board with this. Like, that, that looked amazing. And it's coming out supposedly this year in Japan. Yeah. Like and, and then, also, I mean the the U.S. or the the English websites also say 2017, but and, uh, I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, I, I I'm not you know lighting a candle for it. Um, and then that that thing that Square Enix showed in like that pixelated Octopath yeah yeah Octopath that Path Traveler yeah whew, that pixelated that cool too. style I, that that looked great. I, I thought it was a Saga game when they were first showing it. It like, kind of enhancing Saga the originals. The way I described it was it's kind of like if I Am Setsuna was them kind of tooling around with the Chrono Trigger model, this seemed like they were screwing around with the Final Fantasy VI model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I kind of looked at it, and I'm, I'm interested no more. And so then people just start harping on the launch lineup and how there's so few games coming out this year. And, you know, granted, I'm maybe a little upset that it's not as powerful as a PlayStation uh, I. We are on PlayStation 4 Four. right now. Four. Okay, yeah. I had to, I honestly had to think for a second. Uh, but it, yeah, it kind of bumps me out. It's not as powerful as a PlayStation 4, so you're not going to get those third-party titles. But this thing seems plenty powerful. It could really tap into the indie market that is available on Steam. Like I was thinking the other day, I really want to play more Invisible Ink 
but I want to play that on a handheld. Like, that seems like a perfect environment for it. If that came out on the Switch, in a heartbeat, I'd buy it. Like, right. I'd buy it and tomorrow you were, morning. You were saying how uh, this could be a really good opportunity for, for indie developers and just smaller developers in general who want to make games on portable systems, uh, they can start making them for the Switch because the Vita is notoriously difficult to develop for. Yeah, And that's hyper- a great little machine that has so many good games on it, but like... It's obvious that a lot of people just gave up on it because of how hard it was to make games for it. Yeah, and because hyper- of the hardware difference between that and a console title. Yeah, uh, Hyper Light which... Drifter was canceled on on uh, Vita, which was a mm-hmm. real shame. So was Hand of Fate, which I was playing a little bit of the other day. Like, that's a shame. Yeah. And I mean, so yeah, I personally wasn't expecting Switch to be more powerful than a PS4 because that's just kind of not really sure. a Nintendo's... Yeah. Uh, direction lately they don't right. seem to be really focused on being the most powerful console their their thing is to have a different gaming experience but it's a hell of a lot more powerful than a vita so the possibility exists to have games that are if not ported down from the other consoles maybe start on switch and then port it up to ps4 and xbox one or scorpio or whatever they're going to call it yeah, yeah and, and and they showed uh, Dragon Quest Heroes running on it with a little bit of a visual downgrade, and so that that really makes you wonder, like the games that maybe aren't pushing the hardware on the consoles, could those come out on the Switch? And mm-hmm. I'm I'm all for that. Uh, you know, the battery life is about where I expected. I don't really know what people were imagining. Uh, and and again, there's there's little things here and there that I think Nintendo can do a better job of. Again, I think those controllers are a little expensive, but it's Nintendo. Y'all do remember what N64 controllers costed, right? Like, it, 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 and do you remember how flimsy N64 controllers were? Yeah, if you breathed on them, the analog stick would just go, and it was like, okay, well, this uh, I'm going to be playing Goldeneye with a slight tilt to the left for the rest of my days. Like, that's okay. And so I, I, I pre-ordered one. I am hopefully going to get it on launch day. I'm not I'm not holding out for it. I was really bummed that they sold out of the master edition of Zelda within like 30 seconds because I would have I would have bought that because I need more crazy crap in my desk. Uh, but it, how expensive dude. is the thing though? It was only like a hundred bucks. I want to say it's like, like it's 130, not... I think, for the master. Ooh, the the special is a hundred. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and never mind. See, that's why I like the Persona Five special edition because it's a hundred bucks and I get a little bag I can take to work. It's, and a little kitty. Yeah, and, and a kitty. That is true. Like that's a special. To put in your bag. That is a special edition I can get behind. So I guess, you know, the the negativity around the switch was kind of. I'm surprised. I'm actually jarring. Yeah. Flabbergasted by this because I was pumped as all hell during that uh, reveal. And Mm -hmm. if you know me, I'm really hard on Nintendo. I haven't been excited about a Nintendo console since the N64. Yeah. There. I said it. I haven't bought a, a Nintendo console day one. Well, actually, I don't think I got the N64 day one, but I got it pretty close to launch. And I haven't done that since the N64. And I and I also pre-ordered it, and I will be picking up day one along with Zelda. So I think that says a lot about what Nintendo's managed to do with this system to not only appeal to you know diehard Nintendo fans, but also to bring in people like myself who have kind of navigated towards more of the hardcore, you know, super graphics, super specs crowd and bring them back. So I just mind boggled to hear all this negativity and oh the switch is gonna bomb and Nintendo needs to do damage control. And I'm like, did you did we watch the same presentation? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I, 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 didn't I, have I was that, feeling yeah. the same way during that conversation. I was sitting there watching it with uh, a couple of other people 
and announcement after announcement, we were like, oh shit, really? They're doing that? Like the the it was so exciting from start to finish, and I realized that different people have different tastes in games and everything, but I felt like a lot of those notes that they hit were things that people have been asking after for a long time or like things that were very unexpected or very, um, you know, things that are, that have been historically high quality, like Shin Megami Tensei <laughs> and Xenoblade. Like it's all, it's all good stuff. So I was so surprised to hear the negativity coming out of it. But I wouldn't be surprised to, I mean, do we think Persona ends up on this thing? Could that happen? I mean, there's a Persona three, uh, Persona five on PlayStation three, right? And is it coming uh, to Xbox? Yeah. Is it coming to Xbox? No. No? Okay. So maybe they got an exclusivity deal. But, like, it's doable. It's yeah. doable if they wanted to do that. And, again, like, I think this thing could be something really special. I mean, Bomberman. I got excited for a new Bomberman. Me I was, too. I, I think I it's overpriced. But I love some Bomberman, yeah. I was yep. I was pleased to see that. I guess if you have your uh, Amazon Prime membership, it's only 40 bucks, which is still a little pricey. But. Yeah, but the, like Binding of Isaac, Rebirth, Afterbirth Plus, like that's, for that to be a launch title, that shows a little bit of indie indie developers looking at this thing. I, I think, you know, I'm not ready to say, oh my god, they're going to eat Sony's lunch or something like that. Yeah, but I like, I, no. I can coexist, I think. I it's... think so. I think I, somebody was saying on Giant Bomb, like, this is kind of your second console. And I, I can mm-hmm. agree with that. Like, I tell my students, like, they've asked me before, like, are you going to get an Xbox One? I'm like, why? I, <laughs> I have a PlayStation 4. It's not that I dislike the Xbox One, but, like, I don't want to play any Xbox One exclusives, except I did kind of want to play Scalebound. Oops. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I want to play Sunset Overdrive. Yeah, like I, but there's maybe one or two games that I would play, but like all the third-party games are still coming out on both consoles, and then Sony's got a couple that I'm really excited for, like Dad of War. Like I'm really excited to play that. So, you know, Horizon. Like oh 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 yeah, Horizon. But now I'm a little nervous though, because the PlayStation 4 Pro, like seeing some of the differences between those two consoles, has me with a little green-eyed envy right now. <laughs> and I, no, I'll be honest, I'm a little annoyed by it. Like watching somebody play Last Guardian on the Pro with a much more stable frame rate, that that bums me out a little bit. And that's one of the reasons I got Resident Evil 7 on my PC, is because I was like, well, I know my PC will run this, so here we go. Also, that game is amazing, and anyone who doesn't like it, you are wrong. Just throwing that one out there, because it's a Resident Evil game. So all the complaints people are leveling at it, it's, guess what? That's that's what a Resident Evil game is. Okay, so Switch looks good. I am very interested. If I am playing Zelda on March 3rd, I am a very happy panda. So That's in, that's in like, a month, basically. I know. Uh, I, feel, I feel so bad for Nier. I feel oh, so God. bad I mean, for Nier. Nier got screwed. Caitlin, you were trying to say something? I was also going to say, well, like, we were talking about, talking about Horizon. That comes out, like, three days before the Switch yeah. And I'm still going to get it, but there's no way I can beat it in three days, so I'm yeah. going to have to wanna... I, I feel... I, I think Nier will have some legs, and I hope Square Enix has adjusted their financial plans for games a little bit. But... <laughs> This is Square Enix we're talking about. They just announced an Avengers game, and I was just like, oh. That's just because they like money. (laughs) I was like, all right. But it bummed me out because I want the Deus Ex guys making another damn Deus Ex game. I'm like, do it. They probably are doing it, but. I'm asking for this. Like, please. (laughs) Uh, 
I'm just full of ba- I'm sorry, I've been watching the new season of Red Dwarf, so I am full of bad puns right now. I'm very, very sorry and bad bad. Don't one- apologize for bad jo- puns. And jokey one liners. Uh but but yeah, like they near I was so excited about, but I'm I'm sorry, I'm gonna play Zelda first. <laughs> like it's yeah. I, I'm still super excited for Nier, though. I just, that sucks. That's kind of like when, um, oh, God, what was it, Diablo 3? Like, they announced they were coming out, and it was the same day as Max Payne 3. And it was like Rockstar should have just been like, well, we're pushing this back a month. Like, because Max Payne, Max Payne 3 was a damn good game, but guess what? Diablo 3, like, jeez. It's Diablo 3. Also, I played a little, uh, yeah, the Darkening of uh, Tristram I played with uh, Oh yeah. That was awesome. So really what do you good. have to do to, to access that? Do you have to have a character at max level? No, all you have to do is have the adventure mode unlocked, and you go straight to uh, Old Tristram, and there's a portal, and you go through it, and you are now in, like, really janky-looking, uh, pixelated Old Tristram with old music, and it was oh. awesome. It, it's not as much of a tile switch. Uh, they use the Diablo 3 assets to create you know, a Diablo 1 style, so it's very dark. It's kind of like the moody screenshots that people were photoshopping when Diablo 3 had uh, rainbows and the internet had to cry for about a oh year. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, because, you know, the internet. I remember. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, it was really, really fun. I, I would like to see it further developed. Like, I love the model for, like, the Butcher and, and old-school Diablo. It bums me out that it's only going to be, apparently, for this month, and then it's going to go away. I think that's a mistake. I would say keep it in the game and add stuff to it. But it was really cool, and it got me playing Diablo 3 again with one of my buddies, and that game just... That, that game is just pure joy when you're playing it. It's it's just fun. And and I was playing as a wizard and just melting people with uh, Incinerate or whatever the, the hell the spell is and just, huh, that's a fun game. That's a really good game. Derek, I want you to tell me about a fun game. Uh, do you mean, by any chance, Tales of Berseria? Is it Braseria or Berseria? It's Berseria, like the word Berserk. Oh, okay, That would be cool. horrible if it was Braseria. Braseria. Well, well, I mean, I was, considering well, her outfit. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, no, yeah, because she's not wearing a bra <laughs> in that outfit. It's yeah. what, what was the Kotaku article? It's like, it's pretty bad when your swimsuit is actually less skimpy than your normal outfit. Like, yeah. As her clothes, it doesn't, just, her clothes just get knocked off as she takes damage, right? Or is that yeah, just her natural? This isn't Senran Kagura, don't yeah. Give, don't give them, we don't want yeah. tales of Akiba's being. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, yeah. Akiba's well, strip, I'm sorry, Akiba's strip. Uh, not- Akiba's yeah. strip. The funny thing is, though, um, I'll get to actually talking about the game in a second, but uh, when she changes into that costume like an hour or two in, everybody remarks to her, they're like, what the hell are you wearing? Like, aren't you cold? Like, it's snowing, girl. What is that? So (laughs) it's it's amusing to me that so many characters uh, call her out on it, and then they kind of eventually stop. Well, at least as far as I've seen. So Tales of Berseria, oh, man. This game is like... I don't know. Uh, I'm hesitant to to be super hyperbolic about it because I'm I'm in it right now and I'm really enjoying it. I want to say it's a return to form for the Tales series. Um, I haven't enjoyed a Tales game on this level since I would say since uh, Zillia or I I freaking hate calling it Exilia. That's so stupid. <laughs> uh, Tales of Zillia uh, I thought was good, but ultimately it felt unfinished to me. And then when they released Tales of Zillia two, I was like, okay, they're going to finally. Uh, kind of build upon that and tie some of that up, but I, I actually felt like that was worse. So um, didn't really end up loving either of those. And then Tales of Zestiria, I was so let down by I didn't even finish it, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty rare for me. I, I just I just threw my hands up. I was like, this is just bad. The camera in that game is atrocious. Like 
we're talking like worse than Kingdom Hearts one level camera. Yeah, I mean, you just hang on walls in battle because the whole thing with Tales of Zestiria was they they wanted to do the whole eliminating battle transition, so they were like, we'll have seamless battles that happen on the map once you touch an enemy. But the problem is that you're often inside these cramped like rectangular dungeon hallways. So when you get into a hallway and there's a fight, it's like the camera can't figure out how to show you the battlefield, and so it just hangs in the wall all the time, and you see nothing. Anyway. Well, not not to cut you off, but that's become, like, a serious sore spot with me with, with some games, and, and it reminded me a second of Neo. It's like, Neo works when it's one-on-one and you're on a flat surface. And so it's like, would you would you please design your levels around what actually works in which, your game? Which is, I think, a brilliant thing that Nier Automata is doing, because that game has the dynamic camera angles that change. You know, it's it's all very intentionally designed to have different angles depending on what's happening. Yeah, it's like every encounter in that game, at least in the demo, and I hope it carries through with the main game, but it felt like every encounter in that game was handcrafted. Yeah, and, yes. and crafted. And so, you know, this is, the, this is the environment where you're going to be surrounded by people. So we're doing an overhead view so you can easily kind of turn it into a, a bullet hell shoot. And I think that is great design. That's brilliant. You know, and just throwing enemies around willy nilly is not good level design. You know, it's not it's not masterful. It doesn't make me feel good about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Didn't mean to cut you off. I just no, it's all good. That's that's a bugbear for me with video games. It's like, yeah, do, do what works with your system. Exactly. So Tales of Berseria does do what works with its system. Um, they, they've gone back to transitions into battle, which is fine because it's like basically instant anyway. This game has almost no load times, which is just kind of a fantastic uh, optimization perk. Because it was also released on PlayStation 3 in Japan. So we only got the PS4 version, which runs at 60 frames and looks beautiful. Um, and it's not like, you know, it doesn't have the visual fidelity of Final Fantasy 15 or Kingdom Hearts 2.8, but it's just, it's like a really, really polished PS3 game that runs super well, and I'd rather have it. I'd rather have that have it running beautifully than have it chugging along and trying to maintain like vistas that don't look good because there's popping and stuff. Anyway, so Tales of Berseria, uh, I, I want to say it is a return to form for the series because it's got me more um, invested in the narrative, especially than any Tales game in recent years. Tales of Berseria uh, is by far the darkest game in the series. It starts off with um, the main character Velvet. And she lives with her her younger brother and then this kind of like mentor guy who's something of a cross between a priest and a samurai. And their world has demons in it. There's something called the demon of light. And when people are infected with it, they turn into monsters. It's like a fairly common trope, I guess. So, you know, they're just trying to eke out an existence in some small town. And then, um, you know, even though a lot happens early game, I still don't want to spoil it because I think a lot of it is a lot of the fun or the, the, uh, the hook comes from discovering it on your own. But some really messed up stuff happens to Velvet. And so she's um, she's basically like thrown into a prison for three years and she becomes a half demon or I guess a full demon, whatever. She's a person and she has this demonic arm. And so like for three years, she lives in this prison feeding off of the corpses of prisoners who are thrown into her jail cell with her. So like she gets, okay. it's pretty messed up. Cheery. Yeah. So the, the game doesn't pull any punches with moving from like your sort of traditional tales or RPG story into something much darker. And so Velvet eventually sets out on a quest for revenge. She wants to punish the people who put her in that situation. And she joins up with other characters who are all ostensibly anti-heroes or bad people. Like 
they don't necessarily, uh, I mean, it's it's more nuanced than that, which again is not super typical for tales always, because sometimes the characterizations can be kind of flat. Um, they're still all very interesting, and some are definitely a little bit more clearly bad guys than others, but it's kind of refreshing to play as a party of anti-heroes for once, especially in this series. Um, but it still makes time for moments of levity, and sometimes those converge into like the... I don't want to say fan service stuff because there hasn't been a whole lot of like I haven't seen like the the hot spring scene or you know swimsuit scene. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know if that kind of stuff is in the game. I haven't seen anything like that. But they will do the typical tale stuff where they joke about um, food. Like somebody will give a really vivid description of some food they really want to eat, and everybody else is like, "What the hell's wrong with you?" Like I just asked where we were going for dinner. Uh, so it's you know it's it's got. Um, such a, a more compelling narrative than any Tales title in recent history. And I, so far I like all of the characters in the primary cast. They're all pretty cool. I like their designs. Um, and the battle system has been substantially revamped. Uh, I talked about this a little bit after I played the game at E3. And I still think it's it's one of the best Tales battle systems um, the series has ever seen. Maybe not the best, but it's really good. It just feels like a fast-paced, um, you know. Uh, oh, Siri thought I was talking to her. Hi, Siri. Yeah. Hi. It feels like a, a, you know, a mixture between an RPG and a fighting game, which is what Tails is kind of always going for. So I think there's a lot to like in this entry, and um, I, I almost passed on it, and I'm glad that I didn't. And I would recommend if you've ever played a Tails game and liked it in the past, like the last one that I really, really loved was either Vesperia or Tales of the Abyss. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorites. Good man. Yeah, they're both great, and I, and no, none has really. Um, hooked me since those so this this one has me hooked like vesperia did so hmm. i would recommend yeah. it if you're a fan of the series from the past i had it pre-ordered and then the switch stuff happened and i had to i had to well, pick a few games to, to right. hold off on for the time i'm i'm definitely going to get it down the road but i just yeah I yeah. To, yeah but tales of berseria came out on the same day as what yakuza zero kingdom Hearts yeah. 2.8 and yeah. a little game called resident evil 7 yeah <laughs> like not doing itself any favors there. So. No, yeah. No. I did play the demo, though, um, which was... Oh, the demo is, is such a bad taste of the game. Holy yeah. Crap. That uh, first skit. That was a big... Exactly. That was a big part of why I was thinking I was going to pass on it. But I was like, I don't know. Um, Kim, Kim Wallace, who now writes for Game Informer, used to write for us. Hi, Kim. She's not listening. Uh, she, <laughs> she reviewed the game. Or is she? She might be. She she did like a, a pretty extensive early look at the game pre-release, and um, she answered a lot of questions I had about it, which is what pushed me into buying it. And I'm glad that I did, because if you've played the demo for Tales of Berseria, it like, it, uh, I don't want to really get into all this, but uh, it starts but, with this skit, which is just like the the male characters talking about how all women are evil. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell is this? I, I get yes. that the series is kooky and that... What you know, is it, Gamergate at the start of this game? Like, <laughs> like, it's not meant to be taken seriously. Well, also, the demo is um, a decent ways into the game. It just, they just give you a tiny slice of the game, you know. Mm. Uh, were they talking about vagina bones? Were they, they, were they, were they complaining about it? It was just like the, the premise was one of the characters is like... Don't trust women. They exist to tempt you and leave you wanting and yeah that's disappointing no but can i ask um the combat in the demo compared to the the full game how 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 does that compare i actually found myself kind of turned off by the combat in the demo which is strange for someone like me i've played a lot of tales games it felt a lot more button mashy than i mean and then which sounds weird to say because all tales games are button mashy to a certain extent but 
the way they worked your your arts into now that they're in they're in combo lines for each of the the face buttons instead of being um paired up with a directional button i felt like i had a hard time remembering where things were in those combos and i was i ended up just oh i'm gonna press the x button a couple times here and then i'm gonna press a circle button and then triangle and then without knowing what i was actually doing with any of those moves is that in, is that the same kind of feeling in the, in the main game? Um, I think it just has a higher learning curve than any other Tales game, which, um, like you said, they can be kind of button mashy, but this one you, you can't really button mash as much if you want to be effective, because this one has, um, it, it has a lot of layers, which Tales games usually do, but you can kind of ignore some of them if you want to. This one you really have to pay attention to a lot of the layers, like uh, it has the soul system, which is basically um, you can store like up to five of these souls and they, they count more or less as how many actions you can execute in a combo. Um, and the only way to get more souls is to kill enemies. Like if you kill an enemy, you get a soul out of it. Or uh, if you do like a quick step into them and successfully trigger that, then a soul might come out. Um, so what you, what happens is um, every character has an attack called a break soul and they let you do basically like a, a combo cancel. It, it interrupts the middle of the combo with that break soul move. And then you can continue comboing fresh from the start. So that's how you string a lot together. And what you would do is like if there's a large group of enemies, you can juggle them in such a way that you're killing them, using your break soul, extending your combo, gaining a soul back from killing one, and just like going on and on. Uh, but it's it's like you really have to pay attention to where you're at in the combo because if you just spam the break soul move, you will run out of attacks and suddenly you'll just be able to do one at a time, which is really, really inefficient. And you might have to run around a bit and like do some careful dodging or something to get back into it. So I just find that there's there's more to keep track of in this one because then, of course, later on you also get the uh, the blast gauge, which is what you save up to use Mystic Arts, which are like your ultimate attacks that every Tales game has. So you're managing, I just think you're juggling more in this and uh, you you want to exploit enemy weaknesses and you can't really do that without having fought them several times and then like going into your arts menu and taking the time to set arts that are effective against them so like your average battle um, you can be a little bit mashier but if you want to get serious like you have to you have to spend a lot more time managing all of those various subsystems so I, I guess what I said at the beginning is, is my final conclusion is just that it has a way higher learning curve hmm and I, it's it's interesting, but yeah, uh, it, it's almost a little overwhelming sometimes. And then the uh, equipment system, though, is kind of cool. Like the the character progression in this one revolves around earning abilities from items. Um, so it's basically just Final Fantasy IX. You yes. equip an item for a certain amount of time, and then you master whatever ability is on it, and that's just yours forever. So it's a good system. Yeah, it's a good system. I agree. But yeah, Caitlin, I definitely think you're right to be concerned about that. I think that it makes more sense when it's introduced to you piece by piece in the main mm-hmm. game. Yeah, the I think it was a little... too much too fast. Yeah, it was a little overwhelming at first. Yeah, you're totally right. So Tales of Berseria is great. Uh, I, I really recommend it. If you haven't played a Tales game in a while or if you felt like the series was kind of dropping off, this one, uh, it's not bad, guys. It's not bad. It's a so, game. Yeah, it's a game. So speaking of other games that uh, uh, maintain a high pedigree within their respective <laughs> subseries, Dragon Quest Eight is out. Oh my god, I'm so happy. <laughs> I forgot. Okay, so Dragon Quest Eight has always been my favorite in the series, but I got pretty burned out on Seven pretty quickly, and yep. I forgot how damn much 
I love eight. Eight is so much better. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Um, I, I, there's a couple of things about seven that I, I do miss while I'm playing eight, but eight just, eight feels like the antithesis of seven in so many ways. Like right away you start and they give you, you know, you and Yangus, the hero and Yangus, and Yangus is just the best. He, he yeah. is just, He's like, just objectively the best. Like, a, a wonderful voice acting. Cool, blimey! Like, he is just hysterical. He's so great. And they give you a fight within, like, the first 30 seconds of firing the game up. Whereas Dragon Quest Seven is like, yo, man, you gotta go do these fetch quests for a while before we even think you're ready to do a fight. And, you know, it, every town feels unique. Like, yes, you're gonna see some of the same character models over and over again, but, like, for the most part, the story going on in every town is told so well and is so, like, heart-wrenching in a way like when you when you do the one where like the king lost his queen like that was really really like rough to watch but it's like it works on this fundamental level of nostalgia for old people so like i'm getting older and i like these kinds of stories and then if you're a child then you can enjoy them for what they are too and so this game just has an amazing cast a fun battle system that doesn't weigh you down with bullshit like, that's the thing. Like, so the whole time I'm playing this game and I'm like, this is why, and I know, Derek, you're going to get a little mad at me for this, but oh, like, okay. this is why I bounced off of uh, Trails of Cold Steel Yeah, is because I just feel so comfortable with this game. It's a tra- very traditional turn-based role-playing game where the battles are short, snappy, fast, to the point, and I understand everything that's going on, whereas Cold Steel wanted me to, like, equip these different items and make sure that I have positioning, and it's like there is something to be said for that depth, and I I appreciate it, but it's not what I'm looking for with my JRPGs anymore. I want short, snappy, tactical battle systems. It's why I like Shin Megami Tensei 4 so much. It's why I like Persona so much. And so if you just keep bogging me down with systems, I'm not going to enjoy it. It's probably one of the reasons why I haven't gone back to Final Fantasy 15, even though like I'm waiting for all the patches to make that game better. But there's just so many systems built on top of systems and things and, and trees. And I'm just like... I was playing this, and I was playing Diablo the other weekend with my friend, and it's like, you can go down a rabbit hole in Diablo of just, like, minutia on top of minutia. Or if you just want to kill some stuff, you can just do that. Like, having that real balance of not having to get my feet completely into the mud to really sink my teeth into this, I really, really appreciate that. And, you know, Dragon Quest Eight is just the epitome of that with this series and just now you can actually see when you're leveling up your skills what is coming which was i i'm realizing now when i played this game i played it completely wrong because i just kept raising my sword stat above 100 because i thought i was gonna unlock new skills oh really didn't uh the the ps2 version also not let you stockpile skill points and you had to put them in right away i think you did they so that's one of the things that is so amazing about this port is that yes, you're taking a bit of a hit on the graphics. Like it's, it's definitely, you know, lower level textures and, you know, the animations are good, but you can tell that like when a character puts their hand up, like they've obviously been downgraded a little bit. But what's amazing to me with this game is that a, the animations are almost all still intact. This game looks so much better than dragon quest seven. It's, it's painful. Like, this game looks absolutely stunning. It runs incredibly well. Like, remember how we were talking about how in it 7, does. 
in seven, there's a little bit of slowdown during uh-huh. the battles and the menus felt kind of off. And some people were saying that was only in the American version, not in the Japanese version. This game is just snappy. They put in a speed up the battle option, which I've played the entire game with it. And it's letting me get through the game so much faster. You can see your skill trees. They added in a photo mode, which is just fun to screw around with. It, it, I'm literally messing with that right now. I'm about to upload a picture of me and Yangus. Just like high-fiving or whatever. Like yeah. it's, It really is the best version of this game. And it's like, I was so hesitant to pick this up because I still have the PlayStation 2 version. And I'm like, no, this is a better version in every possible way. And it's so different. We're going to get two re-releases of two games that were released very close to each other. Dragon Quest VIII and Final Fantasy XII. And they've gone in, like, polar opposites of, like, Dragon Quest VIII, we want it on a handheld, we want it short, snappy, to the point. Final Fantasy XII, we're going to redo the graphics, we're going to make this game pretty as hell, we're going to put the Zodiac job system in. It's just really interesting to see these this divergence and how to handle these two re-releases. Yeah. And I think so they both I, work in different ways. Yes, yes. Go ahead, Caitlin. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said no to twelve on on Vita, though. Just just saying. Yeah, where... I, yeah I, I might. That might have gotten me back in. Well, I mean, you can do remote play, right? That's true. That's yeah, true. PS4. That's true. As long as I'm, as long as I have my Wi-Fi. So yeah, it's it, Dragon Quest Eight is just. We were spoiled by this game because this I was our so. fir- <laughs> this was our first Dragon Quest game, and it's like you know I could see Dragon Quest Eight. I could see the pieces of it in four, like we were getting there. I still want to play five because Solosi is always telling me that five five is supposed to be like the secret best game in the series (laughs) outside of eight. You know, seven has a great battle system, but it takes forever to get those jobs opened up. Like that's man. So like I said, I I ended up dropping the game before I got there, and I was like I was like eighteen hours in or something. Yeah, crazy. it, It took way too long. Like I'm I'm almost sixteen hours into this game, and I'm getting close to the halfway point because, like, I know where to go. Also, the checkpointing is so much better in this game. Like, they tell you where to go, who to talk to, and it's not like, man, who do I need to talk to in this town to get the thing to go to the next part? Like, you know, it really shows the flaws in 7, which I still liked. And then 9 was kind of a, you know, it just didn't have any heart to it. It just, there were no characters to latch on to. And so every time I see new gameplay footage of 11... It feels like eleven is eight two. Like I agree. It, this is the sequel to Dragon Quest Eight that we have wanted since what two thousand five was when Dragon Quest Eight came out in America. Uh, I'd have to look that up, but that it's around it's there. Bad, yeah. right? I, I'm. It, it came with the twelve demo, which um, yeah, I might have rented or bought that game because of that. It's mm-hmm. such a good game. I, I'm so happy with this port. If you've ever wanted to play a Dragon Quest game, this is the one to play. Like, that, this is the best Dragon Quest game, in my opinion. 2004. 2004. 2004? Okay. In America? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. What did Andrew Tube say? Mm-hmm. Uh, hang on. No, 2005, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's going in Japan. I, the way I was figuring out was I was going by ex-girlfriends in college. That's oh that Because I was remembering being yelled at for playing way too much Dragon Quest Eight, and I'm wow. like, that's who I was dating at the time. That was 2005. The calendar of Rob Steinman. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably not a good thing. But uh, yeah, I played an absolute lot of this game. I love the animations. Like when the cats like roll over and it's like... Yeah, 
yeah, it's got so much heart, and it's funny. You, you can really tell, because Dragon Quest Seven for 3DS was developed pretty on in the 3DS's lifespan, and then we, we got it years later here in America, and Dragon Quest Eight is a much more recent port. Like, it just came out last year in Japan. Yep, so you can and- tell that they've really optimized, and they've they've learned how to use the 3DS hardware. And, I mean, Dragon Quest Eight was a better-looking game in the first place, but more importantly, like, this just runs better. Yep. So, yeah, um, and the the battle speed up thing kind of makes the frame rate look like almost sixty frames, which is really I know cool. yeah. it's so, and, and it really makes you realize how much time you spend watching animations and video games, and that you know as we're getting older, I know we say that all the time in the show, but as we're getting older, Speak for your and, damn self, bro. Screw you. When you hit thirty, <laughs> it's gonna hurt, brother. All right, close. this year. Uh, oh boy, um, I've been but, there, <laughs> but it's a. It, to get the game and play it and actually feel like you're accomplishing something in a reasonable amount of time is amazing. I'd say the only knock I have on this game is that for whatever reason, because of licensing and the, the main composer, we're not getting the official orchestrated soundtrack, yeah, which is a bummer. That's a shame. Because that's one of the things that they did for the American version of Dragon Quest VIII. Like, they went in, they redid all the menus, because it's not just bland text boxes in the, P- in the PlayStation 2 version, and they gave us an orchestrated soundtrack, which is still like, I will just put that on in the background when my kids are working problems in class. And they're just like, what movie is this from? And I'm like, it's Dragon <laughs> Quest VIII. Yeah, I put the Doom music on the other day. They didn't like that that much. They they were like, they were like, this sounds like Rage, Mister Steinman. And I just looked at him. I just looked at him and I was like, I know. Like, (laughs) I love that soundtrack though. Uh, But yeah, Dragon Quest Eight is absolutely amazing. If you bounced off Seven, I get it. I think Seven has a lot of merit. It was very fun to play and it kept me occupied for a long time. But Eight is just on another. It's on another level. Like. This this might I think this is in my top five. I think this is in my top five games of all time. Like really? Res, Resident Evil Four, uh, Dragon Quest Eight. What in the world was that? Did something blow up on my computer? I just heard a sound that was very concerning. Uh, I have no idea what that was. Uh, Dragon Quest Eight uh, is just one of those games that I can just play to this day and have it's, so much fun with. It's timeless. I, I'm yeah. I don't, I don't know how uh, they managed, but I, I'm a little surprised that this game ended up being as timeless as it is. Like, you'd think that the more traditional kind of Japanese RPGs would not hold up as well under scrutiny, and I'm a huge fan of them, so it's me trying to, to throw a bone here. But you should. You should. It's, it's another game I had to hold off on because of March being so full of games. Uh, and this game also led to one of the biggest bummers ever because I was really excited to play Rogue Galaxy, thinking that it was going to be Dragon Quest Eight in space. And <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, that game, that game's not that bad, but it's uh, it's no Dragon Quest. 8. It has its it has its moments, but it also has bad moments too. But that was level five, like coming off of Dragon Quest Eight, and we were all like, "Oh boy, here it comes." It's kind of how I feel about Nino Cooney. Like I really wanted Nino Cooney to be the Dragon Quest Eight yeah. again, and it just me too, and it wasn't. But Nino Cooney Two looks fantastic. Yeah, as long as they fix the AI and my little stupid monsters see... will actually attack. Did you Do see we... the latest footage and stuff that came out just to, or yeah, a couple days ago? No, I've kind of been keeping dark on it so I can focus on all the games that I have to play. But, uh, but uh, tell me good they, things. They've definitely revamped the battle system. It looks a lot better. Like right. it's more action based. Every character has their own. Um, moves that they can execute on their own. Okay. Uh, and then instead of uh, familiars, you have 
little guys called Higgledies, and they're like Pikmin, basically, and you have a swarm <laughs> of them, and you just send them at enemies and stuff, so... Okay, because I, I really... After trying to get my special edition of that game for, like, a month, I bounced off of it so hard. Like, I just... I, I, I And it wasn't the world, it wasn't... It, it was just that battle system. I just hate it. I agree. It. Mm-hmm. I just, it was bad. I don't like being out of control of a video game, and I think that's one of the reasons why I like the latest Final Fantasies I've had some trouble with. And this game was just like, would you please attack? No, sir. Why are you? Was there an Stop easy mode? On... Was there an easy mode on that game I should have played? Because that was the other thing. That game was really hard. Yeah, could he? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just felt like it never really delivered. So I, you're probably good not playing it. Yeah, I should just play we... it too. Is the second one completely separate, or do we have to play the first one? Um, it's like a, a reinterpretation of that world, so you don't have to play the first one. Yay! Yeah, yeah I I really want that game to be good. Like when they announced it, I did like the <gasps> mm, like <laughs> I want to <laughs> so be many exci- feeling so quickly. Yeah. I want to be excited, but man, did I not, not like sure no if want.jpg. Yeah. It was, I, I can't remember if I gave that my disappointment of the year that one year, but like, I, I've i never wanted to like a game more, and then I just... I, I felt the same way about that I game. absolutely yeah. detested it. <laughs> but Dragon Quest Eight is great, and you should all play it, and it, this is... I, I want to assuage everyone's fears, like, this is the best version of Dragon Quest Eight. If I had a choice between this or the PS2 version, I would play this version. Oh, yeah. I wanted to ask. Your party. Um... And you can answer with as few spoilers as, of course, possible. But how is the new character? So I haven't gotten either of the new... So there's two new characters that are... Yeah, they're they're old characters that you can now recruit. Apparently, you can't get them till late. So I haven't gotten them yet. Uh, I'm also excited to play the new ending on this game. Like, when I finished Dragon Quest VII, like, I I texted Derek uh, a video of me beating it. So, Uh I don't think you gave me a beer at MAGFest now that I think about it. Hey, 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 I tried to. Okay, that's good. Oh, I don't know, maybe we can do it next. Like, that's fine. The whole thing. I I tried to. We also got really drunk in your hotel room on Scotch, so. We did, we did. That that Scotch was amazing. Uh, but, um, like, I after I beat Dragon Quest Seven, Solosi was like, oh, "Are you gonna do the uh, optional dungeons?" And I was like, and "You're like, huh? Nope, no. <laughs> no." Like I beat it, I enjoyed it for what it was, but it it has some problems. It has some serious pacing issues. I will play the ever living crap out of this game. Like I, I am just wrecking this game. It is so so good. So I will let you know when I get to the new characters and when I get to the optional dungeons. But th- this game is my baby right now. Like I just want to play it constantly. It's it's keeping me from beating Resident Evil 7 right now, and that should tell you something. Wow. Good like, to it, man. And I really like Resident Evil 7, and uh, all the haters, you're wrong. Again, <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, but there, anywho, there I, could about, I could talk about Dragon Quest 8 all day. Eh, there were some. There, there were some reviews for Resident Evil 7 that I was like, all the complaints you're saying are complaints you could level at a traditional Resident Evil game, and I'd take that as a compliment. Like, oh, okay. Hats off to Capcom for going back, because Resident Evil 6, good lord. Like, whew. Anywho. anywho. Good I would like to talk about Yakuza, because we have finally decided that we are going to cover Yakuza. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's about time. Yes. Kaylin, you've been playing it also, yes? Tell yes, me I about. Have. Tell me about fun Shenmue. <laughs> You're not wrong. It's definitely a flashier Shenmue, and a more badass Shenmue, for sure. 
Um, so I'm a, I'm a Yakuza newbie. I've never played a game in this series before, but I've heard a ton of good stuff from the fans. They, there's a lot of passionate fans for this series. They're like, oh, it's amazing and you gotta play it. But before now, it was like there, there were five games and they mm-hmm. weren't all easy to get a hold of, especially the older, the original ones. And there was this fear of like, Starting a game that's in the middle of the series, even a game like Yakuza 4 that has recaps of the previous games and just kind of having to catch up all of that history. Well, that's solved with Yakuza 0 because Yakuza 0 is a prequel to the original Yakuza game. So it is the perfect place just to, uh, to start if you've never played in the series but you have been interested. Um, especially because we are getting the remake of the original Yakuza, Yakuza Kiwami. It's coming out sometime this summer. So this is really the best time to get into Yakuza because you can play the prequel and then the remake of the original and then uh, jump ahead maybe a little bit. But yeah, I've been wanting to play the series for for a while because, uh, you know, the word from fans, but also because it's this really, you know... being a student of the language and having been to Japan, I'm always interested in games that are kind of really uh, heavily get that atmosphere of, you know, being in Japan and, and that kind of that, that feel that, you know, Shenmue didn't really do it for me. But, you know, I think Shenmue that's... is very much a product of its time and it doesn't hold up at all. No. Yeah. Perhaps but they are out. <laughs> Knock, knock, knock. I mean, it kind of it, it, it kind of pioneered the open world genre, and it brought QTEs for better or worse into gaming. That that uh, game was like mythical, though. You used to look in like EGMs and see, you know, Shenmue's coming out. That Blue Stinger and a survival horror game called July that never came out. I remember like reading those like over and over again. And Code Veronica, more Resident Evil talk. Uh, but like, I, I remember so wanting Shenmue to work, and the idea of a slice of life game in Japan. Very appealing to me, somebody who's very, barely had a chance, you know, doesn't travel outside the country because, you know, I'm I'm just lame like that. I've really wanted to have that kind of experience and just be, like, enveloped in a almost another world to me, in a world that I haven't experienced. And that's why I like the Persona games so much. And, yes, I'm not going to get into random street fights in the middle of Shibuya, but, like... Are you sure, Rob? I, I I might. Somebody's wearing a Neo shirt, and I just kick him in the face real oh fast. <laughs> Pick up a bike and start beating him. Sorry, Caitlin. Sorry, sorry. Then that would be very in character for Yakuza. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and that's the thing. Like people compare Yakuza to Shenmue a lot, and I'm I'm only like I don't know, fifteen maybe to ten hours into the game at most, and like I'm working my way through one of the early chapters, which there are a lot of chapters. I thought there were like less than 10. There's a lot more than that. Um, it, it gets compared to Shenmue a lot because I think the atmosphere that it creates is very similar. You, you know, the, the idea of being in uh, this area, this relatively small, condensed area of Japan and being able to go into stores and talk to people and all that that jazz. But it's also pretty different from the way... Shenmue, uh, the day-to-day sort of uh, gameplay of Shenmue. Um, it's not like oh, we'll, a real-time uh, system where you get up in the morning and you have until night to go talking to people and then you have to go home or blah, blah, blah. And it's a lot more of a, a beat-em-up. Uh, it's really a beat-em-up than Shenmue was. You get into fights on like every... Well not, well, not every, but it feels like sometimes every street corner in Yakuza. And they're... I'm sorry, Shenmue. They're they're fun. They're really fun. Yeah. They're totally over the top too. 
Um, and I think one of the things that Yakuza does really well is it it does a good job of, of providing both um, a drama that's interesting with compelling characters and and, and you know unknowable motivations sometimes. Um, it, it, it's it's got basically like it's got drama, but it's also so silly so mm-hmm. often uh, that it doesn't ever feel like it's condescending with its seriousness. Like yes, I mean it's a story of Yakuza, so obviously that involves like murder and money laundering and, and, and other illegal activities or thug-like activities or whatever you want to call it. But um, it's it's so well-balanced, I think, with the levity that that it just feels... It also, it just feels so Japanese. Like, it's... How else can you explain it? Like, this is a super Japanese game. You go from, like, slamming some dude's head in a toilet because he didn't pay your company back the money to like playing outrun in the arcade or singing karaoke in the bar. And when you and when you sing or I always feel so weird saying karaoke. Karaoke. Yeah. When you sing in bars, it's um like they go into a full on like music video halfway through yes. each song, like Hatsune Miku or I don't know. It it's so ridiculous. Um the game definitely knows how silly it is and I think it's all the better for it. It's got a little bit of a deadly premonition vibe to it. Jim Sterling was bringing that up just with some of the, the I could see that. just some of the tongue in cheek humor and deadly premonition being one of those games that I love the humor of it. I hate the game of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think Yakuza is way better on that front. It's a more fun game to play in general. And it also still has that tongue in cheek kind of feeling to it. Yeah. It, I, I'm also a Yakuza newbie. I'm starting with zero and I've, I'm in chapter three and I, I, totally follow everything that's going on and I don't feel lost. I, I've done a little bit of research just to see if I did need to see any to, to like play or experience any story before I went into this, but you don't really like there's stuff that you would probably get. I'm sure if you had played the other ones, but it doesn't feel, I don't feel lost by any means. So yeah, it does. No, feel like I don't a great entry point. Yeah. I was just looking at my PlayStation store. I have Yakuza five from the uh, PlayStation plus back in August. I don't have Yakuza 4. Yakuza 4 is only 20 bucks, and apparently that's the one to play. Uh, somebody did this really long, I want to say it was on Destructoid, somebody did a really long article on like the order to play these games, and he was like, if you do 0, you can go to 4 because they recap everything up till 4 so that you can jump in. 5 is apparently a little divisive, it doesn't... It's it seems to be kind of the the black sheep of the the series. Not not looked at poorly, but kind of missing something. Uh, the remake of one I think just came out recently in Japan, and people seem to be absolutely in love with it. And then Yakuza Six with Beat Takeshi in it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really excited to play that. Although he apparently hated video games, and now he's in a video game, and I love that. <laughs> like I love it, and and I you know if he does the twitchy thing from Battle Royale, I'm gonna be really excited. Like. My how the tide turns. I, I'm, and I think a lot of this is coming as a result of the new partnership between Atlas and Sega. Like Atlas's localization crew, I mean, they they are some some awesome human beings, and I think they've oh. kind of taken the reins here a little bit. Speaking of which, the localization in Yakuza Zero is really good. Cool. They did a, um, an amazing job of localizing and keeping it feeling totally natural for the context. You know, playing. In the world of Yakuza, they don't they don't cut any pun- pull any punches with regard to language. Zing. So there's there's lots of f bombs and other words like that, but it feels incredibly normal despite the fact that it's a dub only. There's no or sorry, there's no dub. It's sub only, which is actually, in my opinion, a good move. I don't think I'd want to dub with this kind of game because it well, makes it feel that yeah, much more authentic. 
It's well, like Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Yeah. yeah. It, well, well, you know who was in the dub for the original Yakuza? Mark oh. Hamill. Yes. Oh, Yakuza 1. Yeah. <laughs> yep, Yakuza. And I remember, like, so I played a little bit of the Yakuza 3 demo for the PlayStation 3, and it felt like the fights went a little too long, and I couldn't tell if that was a thing of the demo or maybe I wasn't playing it right. So, you know, it, it feels like the health bars can maybe be take a while to deplete them. Do you get that feeling when you guys are playing this or not so much? Maybe I'm playing it bad. I guess it depends on the foe, but like yeah. some enemies do take a while to take down. But um, I think like also, the... this is it's more the reason why we're going to be covering it now on RPG Fan is because these games are pretty much RPGs. Like you, you earn in this one in Yakuza Zero, it's you earn money from battles, but you use that money as experience and pump it into skill trees to raise your stats and to learn new abilities and stuff. Like it's. There's a lot more uh, character development than you would expect from a game like this. It is not Grand Theft Auto at all. Yeah, yeah. And side quests often involve you picking responses, and depending on what responses you pick, the quest will change or whatnot. So there's there's that sort of role playing element. I my first side quest that I found after I finished the first chapter had me trying to break up a uh, a, a girl's uh, selling their undies ring. Oh it's God! Apparently, a, a thing. So, yeah, I had to answer questions about whether I preferred top or bottom, and um, oh my God! <laughs> and the context was such that I, my character, thought that I they were talking about sex, not not underwear, and it was hilarious. Oh boy! Yeah. What did they say? It's like the ultimate uh, middle-aged man simulator, <laughs> like the ultimate like um, midlife crisis mobile video game. <laughs> like I'm suddenly going to join the yakuza and start beating up random people and saving people. And I, you know, I, I this is great that Yakuza Zero is getting this big push both from Sony, Sega, and Atlas. And so this is a good jumping-in point because, like you guys were saying this series has seemed impenetrable. Like, I have been... I have wanted to jump in this series, but I'm like, it's Yakuza 4 now. What do I do? Like, I'm not going to play three games just to play a fourth game. Like, that that ain't gonna happen. So, I think this kind of staggered release schedule and Yakuza 6 coming out next year... That that's the right way to handle this. So like right around, it's kind of what I'm doing with Dragon Quest now. Like I'm gonna finish eight. I'm gonna take like a month and a half break, and then right around the time I'm ready for more Dragon Quest, I'm gonna put Dragon Quest Five in. Like that's yeah. what I'm going to do. I think that's. I can't. Mar- I tried to marathon all the Sly Cooper games, and I got like halfway through three, and I was like, that's enough. Oh. Like, and I really liked two. I really did like two. I just I burnt out. Like just. You the best in the series. I really liked two. It was a good game, I, and I liked Sly Cooper one. That was that was okay. Like that was a cool like idea. And those guys are making a Spider Man game, and that's that sounds that sounds like the right call. Like I'm down with that. Oh Yakuza, I am very excited. I have it upstairs. I just need to finish up Resident Evil, and then I can start playing that. <sighs> Too many close. games. You guys remember? You guys remember when first quarter was like nothing's coming out? Yeah, this one's crazy. <laughs> yes. It's like a second Christmas right now, and then you know a freaking uh, Zelda and Near and just ah yeah, Zelda Near um and Horizon all Horizon. within like oh, a I couple keep weeks. Forgetting about Horizon, yeah, and then, and then Mass Effect, and, Mass Effect, and, oh and then God. Persona. Persona. Well, Persona gets precedent. Persona wins. Oh, always. Yes, yeah. Persona course. just wins. That That is what's going to happen. But, like, I, I gotta be honest, I'm not... I'm excited to play Mass Effect, but I'm not, like, 
super I'm a little skeptical. Not, yeah. Maybe not skeptical. I'm wary because it feels like they went from not showing anything to suddenly it's about out. It's like, oh, okay. Which I'm, I'm okay with because I don't want the info dump pre-release that we usually get these days. Like, we saw way too goddamn much of Final Fantasy XV before it came out. Yeah. There are there yeah. scenes that they showed off in pre-release trailers that are, like, from the last hour of the game. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. I don't want that for, for anything from Mass Effect. Like I was saying, Persona 5, they're releasing too many damn trailers. They've shown us one for every confidant in the game, which is, like, the social links. I don't want that. Yeah, I, I, I don't even so, know who everyone is. Sorry, right? Atlas PR, I'm deleting every one of those emails. Just like, nope. It's nope. too many. Yeah, nope. so no, I'm not saying that I want that for Mass Effect Andromeda for, by any means. It's just kind of like, I guess there's an in-between and uh, they're releasing stuff now, but it's just like, all right, I shit, I didn't know Yo, y'all's game was that close to coming out. I, I also, I, I kind of feel, I fired up Dragon Age Inquisition just for a few minutes and it really is like, if I just get another giant RPG like Dragon Age or The Witcher with just a million conversations to have and doodads to find, I'm just, I, I can't. Like, I, I'm so, like, Zelda, I, I think Zelda's going to hold my attention, but, like, I'm I'm a little open-world fatigued. Like, I, I loved The Witcher. I really did. I know I complain about it a lot, but I love that game. But, like, I don't have any desire to ever play The Witcher again. Like, I spent a hundred-some-odd hours in that world. I also That's can't good. handle, like... Lots of those games in rapid succession. You yeah, know? it's too much. It's it's really too much. Like it's it's taking away too much of my time. And like when I open up a skill tree in a game now, I kind of groan. Like okay, I have to read what all this stuff is. Like I think that's why Dragon Quest Eight. I'm enjoying it so much because it is just like simple fun. Like this is enjoyable. This is something I can I can appeal that appeals to me. And I know like. I'm sorry, I have to do it. I know the Dark Souls games get a lot of flack for being, like, super deep and intimidating, but they really aren't. Like, they are just, like, you are walking through a very bad environment and you're fighting monsters. Like, if you really condense it down, there's a lot of depth there, but it's depth you don't have to interact with if you don't want to. That is the right kind of depth for me in a video game. We talked about it earlier in the show, but, like, if you have this massive depth to your game maybe make it so I don't have to interact with it that much. Like, I think that's one of the reasons I got so mad at Apocalypse was because you then had to interact with that depth a huge amount if you wanted to beat the last dungeon of the game, whereas the rest of the game wasn't really concerned with that. And it feels like Final Fantasy XV isn't superly concerned with that, so I don't know why I've bounced off that. I think I'm just waiting for them to patch it. Like, I just want that game to run a little bit better, I want the controls to be a little bit better, I want the camera to be a little bit better. All the things they said they're going to do, I'm like, when you guys do all that, I will gladly pick this game back up. But for right now, I'm kind of good. Yeah. I got you, man. Yep. There's enough good stuff to play. There is, there is. Yes, well, for the rest of the year, really. I know, I know. Uh, so I apologize for making this a short episode of Random Encounter, but I have to go make sure that the children's don't kill each other at an event. So, uh... As always, thank you very much for listening. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or through the RSS feed. Uh, we're going to collect as much uh, reader mail as we have. Um, we've had none, nothing because no one loves us. Uh, <laughs> I did like getting feedback about my Final Fantasy XV complaints. That was awesome. Like, hey, try this. It helps you choose a new control scheme. Yeah. Yes, and that was awesome. And it made me wonder how the hell they screwed that up when the game came out. Like, you made the game control worse? Like, why'd you do that? Uh, I put the wrong one as the default. 
I mean, I started playing Nier with R1 as attack, and I started really enjoying that more. Like, maybe that's just my style, but I, I really dig that. More games need to give you the ability to just completely remap the controls. Like, yep. I just, concur. Yeah. yeah, just do that. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast, and we will see you all later. <laughs>